Detroit Tiger fans, are you ready for the most exhilarating event of the summer? Get ready for the 6th Annual Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Hosted by your very own Chris Brown and Rogelio Castillo, we're exploring one of the deepest MLB drafts in recent memory. Who will rise for the pack? Will the Detroit Tigers secure an impact bat with their pick? This is the first draft in the Scott Harris era, and you don't want to miss it. Be part of the excitement witness the future of baseball unfold on the Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Join us Sunday, July 9th on the Motor City Metrics YouTube channel and the Tiger Miley Report YouTube channel for the first round of coverage. We're just in time to watch Uper's favorite player, Zach Short, make a clutch play at second base, as in he fumbled it and had a chance to double play, but he came up short. He came up short. Welcome to <laughs> the quickie version of the Motor City Metrics podcast here. At TigersMLReport.com, I'm Rohelli Castillo, excited Chris Brown, and Uper. John is out this evening. Hopefully, we'll, John will probably be back on Thursday as the Tigers start a home series of the White Sox to play the White Sox for the first time. Right now, they're playing Kansas City 5-5 in the sixth, or the bottom of the fifth right now. And the Royals, Salvador Perez, loves Tigers pitching. It's, it is what it is. Like, it's just, there was one stretch where Michael Lawrence was cruising along, and then all of a sudden, Kansas City just does that thing. They just come alive against the Tigers for some strange reason when you least expect it. And so. That one Pasquantino hit was a bomb. That was, compared in the first inning, the Tigers scored three runs, and they they didn't hit a single ball that would break a pane of glass the whole inning. (laughs) But they scratched three runs out of it. That was nice. Yeah, and that's how the Tigers have been. It's just that there's not the, except for that first game against the Nationals where they were just really powering the ball, or just hitting the crap out of the ball, it's been those kind of scrappy, I don't want to say scrappy, but yeah, that's not hard contact. Look at Javier Lopez's hits. His singles, one was, I think, what, 46 miles an hour, 64, something like that. Ah, excuse me. But uh, I want plenty to get to. As we do our quick Monday episode and really talk about the trade that happened as Jonathan Davis goes to the Marlins in exchange for Brady Allen, who was the fifth round draft pick by the Marlins in 2021 out of the University of South Carolina. As everybody mentioned pretty regularly on Twitter, he grew up in Lakeland, so he's familiar with Tigers. He's a left handed throw, he's a left handed left bat, left handed bat. That could play all three positions, show some pretty good speed. And was it, I believe Dan Hasty just tweeted out that a couple of weeks ago he went ham against Grand Rapids. So, Alex, good to see you on YouTube. How are you doing tonight? But uh, yeah, it was a Jonathan Davis. What was it, Chris? He essentially was going to be, they had to make a mine up about him anyway, right? I, I don't know for sure, but most of the time, these kind of veterans who sign deals have an opt out on May 1st or June 1st or July 1st, where they can, if they haven't been called up to the big leagues, they can go away for nothing. They're basically, they're free. That's what they, the same thing happened with Trace Thompson last year, where they, he didn't get to the big leagues, so they traded him. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a nothing deal, right? I don't think Brady Allen's going to be a prospect going forward, but it helps with some minor league depth. We thought maybe we were playing around in our heads about this May, Result in some more moves down the line. 
little bit of player movement. One thing I speculated was maybe Grant Witherspoon moves up to Toledo, and then one of the guys who's hitting in, in West Michigan, either Justice Bigby or Myers, maybe moves up to Erie, but maybe not. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was an odd bit of news that I wasn't expecting. I was honestly like, I was like, hey, I wonder if they brought up Ibanez, and he's cooled off. I think he's over 23, on an over 23 stretch, which is not great. He's not striking out a ton. It's just, yeah, he's not making the contact in the right spots. But I thought maybe they'd give Davis a go too, just because to see what they have. But uh, if they chose the other route. And somebody in the Discord also brought up, like, do we think we might see this Matt Whistler, or maybe some of the other veterans down there? And I think it's it's entirely possible. Yeah, especially because when we were talking about this on the minor league podcast super earlier was they have so far Toledo's been seeing the, the new, some of the new guys that they signed from Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Sam Clay. So it just it makes sense. At some point, they want to either give the bullpen some help or get up another outfielder too. Because yeah, Witherspoon sat hit over five hundred or just right at five hundred in Erie this week. And then as far as just terms of even like terms of other plays down in Erie, they could easily go up to Toledo. I can see that happening, but I don't know Uper. It was didn't really again. Chris said it was for nothing move, but what'd you what'd you think? Like if if it's true that Davis was going to go or opt out, they got something for him. I'm just looking at the resume. The guy's a fifth round pick, which is not bad. He's still young. That's always good. He's semi productive. He's not a guy hitting a buck eighty. <laughs> That's the kind of move that makes sense to at least try. And if he if he becomes Cleet Thomas for a year or two, great. And if he never gets above double A, that's okay too. There's really nothing lost. Nice hit, by the way. Nice job there by Will Vest to get out of the inning there. He nine-pitch battle with Bobby Wood Jr. got him to fly out to win. So the game remains tied heading into the sixth inning. But, yeah, it's one of the things where it was immediately I was thinking, you know what? For once, Tigers may have gotten are getting stuff in return. This is something we're not used to, a precedent we're not see, used to seeing. Like, usually it's trade for catch. <laughs> yeah. So in this case... They got something. It's yeah, what we'll know. We won't know until we get out there this weekend. And we're going to be out there Friday to watch the high debut of Troy Melton, who's been down in Lakeland. And so it's going to be a good, interesting start to that. Gives West Michigan another West Michigan. We were talking about this earlier. It's had some really good pitching lately. And hopefully that kind of rubs off on Erie, which is a long story on the pet. But uh, so the Tigers this weekend. Had a three-game series to the Nationals, and they lost the series. It was they looked like Friday was a different team, but the Jamer Candelario World Tour Revenge Tour, <laughs> and yeah, that was that was the thing that happened. And he he said no little feelings or anything, and yeah, that the Nationals have their own little baseball celebration thing. So it was weird seeing him with the tag and. Was it a wig or something? I can't remember what it was, but yeah, the old um, powdered wig. By the way, Tyler wants to know: Are you drinking a PBR, Keeper? No, sadly, it's a Diet Coke. I'm off beer. I haven't had a beer in a long time. Hmm. Trying to drop some weight, having oh. some mild success, and no beer has been part of it. Let's <laughs> say PBR sadly. now. Thanks to hipsters, PBR prices have gone up. Fun fact. But yeah, PBR has been a hipster beer for. Wow. Gotta be 15, 20 years now, it seems like. Yeah. I don't know. When I was a kid, 
when we were just starting our drinking campaigns when I was a teenager, we'd make fun of PBR and Milwaukee's Best and Schlitz and all this stuff and anything. But we were like back then, we thought that Labatt Blue was the height of beer or Molson Canadian or something like that. But yeah, I mean, the, the craft beer stuff was just starting to happen. And even then, it was like Sam Adams was like the yes. beer. If for, for us, it was growing up, it was, everybody, my dad loved Labatt Blue. He grew up as a originally Budweiser. He went to Labatt Blue and never turned back. But then, yeah, when I was with my friends starting out in our early 19 or early 20s or whatever, it was Bud Ice, Bud Ice or yeah, Molson Ice. Ice beer. Yeah, ice beer. Ice beer. Was huge thing in the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, big thing. And it was always, for whatever reason, and then we played one time we played beer pong with Steel Reserve. One of my Ooh. friends had to go in a hospital. That was that was not a good idea. But uh, yeah, I never Bud Light, Bud White, or just uh, any of the light beers. I was just like, eh, I just never got into it. I was a I'd be a beer snob, but I don't now I got more in the gin and tonics. I like I like a nice little whiskey, if you will. So I'm getting sophisticated with my drinking these days. <laughs> when I do drink, I don't really drink very often. But when I do, it's like just something like to be a gin and tonic. A Moscow Mule, yeah. So anyway, I don't go drinking talk, but no, but Canelario Tigers this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So get back to Canelario. He has a WAR one point six, so it's not like he's a total bum, if you will. And it was just, it was good to see. Oh, Yingling, yeah, that's a good one right there. Sergio in a YouTube chat said Ying Ying Wing, and it's finally coming to Michigan this year, finally, I believe. And so that was a Pennsylvania beer that my brother would get because. Sister in law, what's up? But uh, no, he's got OPS plus a 118, putting up decent numbers. So, tell you the other night, just before the, the Tiger series, I saw him get a, a homer and a double. They really slowed down and, and showed his swing from the side. He looked like he was in tremendous balance. It was just a gorgeous swing that everything was just working. I was someone back in the day here, back last winter. I thought they might bring him back. I know it was $7 million, but they had really no payroll. They could have afforded it. I was mildly surprised that they let him go and didn't bring anybody in to replace him. But so I'm happy for him. He, he led AL and doubles a couple of years ago. Yes, he had a bad year last year, but I just thought it was a little soon to give up on somebody at his age who had shown that they could be a competitive player when they have a lack of competitive players. Yeah, Chris, we've, we, I've stuck up for Candelario since the beginning of time, since the beginning of this podcast, or since, oh, there you go. Nice job there by Matt Verling gets a single up the middle after, you know, foul ball. It looked like it was going to be a home run. I always, I always, Candelario still always will, and I always got some crap for defending him, which I didn't understand why, because he was productive. Yes, he has, he looked lost in Detroit, and I think a change of scenery was good for him, and so it was good to see that. A couple of takeaways from the series, first and foremost, Joey Wentz, they're, they're talking about today that he's not going to go get down to Toledo as much as people want that to happen. They're going to work on it. But, Chris, I think, I think the biggest problem we're seeing again with Joey Wentz is something we saw last year in between before, right before he started getting good again. And in terms of keeping the ball down, he's been, everything's been elevated. Before, when he was doing really good, he was able to locate low in the zone. And it just seems like, that kind of that swing and miss stuff is out there. Yeah, he was catching a lot of the plate all game. It was an interesting game because he would give up 10, 10 hits. And I think eight of them were not hit very hard. 
there's something about, I heard Dan Dickerson talking about it. It's, it was, I'm kind of bummed that John isn't here because I was going to ask him if he knows what a Baltimore chop is because <laughs> they were talking about how hard the infield dirt is there in front of home plate in Washington and how there were a couple hits where we're just, just ground balls right into the dirt in front of home plate and they scooted through the infield like an old, old AstroTurf field or something like that. So I think the Nats groundskeepers are leaning into the Nats hitters tendencies just to they put the ball in play more than any other team they just don't tend to hit with a lot of power but yeah Wentz was clearly not the best version of himself we haven't seen that much this year we've seen it once or twice and when he's good he's good uh yeah i don't know there's, there's, i don't know the cutter hasn't been seemingly as sharp for him this year the changeup is still okay but everything else is just a little bit off but yeah i, I think part of the reason he's not going to toledo is is they don't really have any options they, we talked about it on the, the minor league show. Reese Olson just had his first good start, but I wouldn't expect Reese Olson to come up and, and, and do much of anything. Unfortunately, it's, it's, I don't think he's quite ready for big league hitters. And the other options are, are not existent. Honestly, like there are, there aren't other starters on the 40 man roster right now. Ooh. Yeah. So it's tough. Especially Garrett Hill too. You're thinking about Garrett Hill. If you're wondering how he's doing, he's throwing the ball with velocity, but he's still having a hard time with command. And so that's, that's an, that's not an option. Tarek Skubal, you're hoping that in the next few weeks, you get some good news that he'll be coming back on the trail. There's been no word about Matt Manning just outside of the fact that he's still going to be on IL. So then you ask yourself, well, what about Erie? Brent Hurdler has been the most consistent pitcher, but I don't think he's major league ready at all. Wilmer Flores, as we talked about this, could take a taken a step back a little bit. Same thing with Ty Madden. And Alex asked a really good question on YouTube. Do I think that Ingler could start and get a spot started? And I and I I said this. I thought possibly he could because I said this in the beginning of the year that based off his arsenal, four pitches, he could do that. I think he could be a four maybe a or opener if you will. But I think they would have to stretch him out first. But that's about it. It's just Olsen, You're still not going to, as Chris mentioned. You're not going to be, it's not going to be for sure thing whether Olsen's going to be continuing with that. And I even still, I still think he has a reliever risk to him. He would probably be an opener, come in for an inning, get him out of there. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think they could, they could definitely do like an Engler Alexander piggyback start if they wanted to. But is that going to be any better than Joey Wentz? I don't know. Engler has had his moments this year for sure. And he's still, what he's doing is impressive for, what he is a kid kid who barely played in double a but he's also had some problems with home runs and and getting finally up on him but yeah so tigers got out of the inning i think no jack yeah jackie bradley jr made another pretty good catch here be checking the replay nope you get nothing yeah it's they just got to stick it out until spencer turbull i think recovers from his mysterious neck ailment that probably won't have him on the il for more than another couple days We'll see. We'll see what happens with Verbal. I, I, I'm suspicious that he'll even throw pitches in Toledo. He might get one spot start down there, but so you got to have, have him come back and hopefully be a little bit stronger. But yeah, I don't know. You're, you're relying on Fido and Wentz right now, which is not a great feeling. Fido has been fine, but you do feel like the wheels are going to fall off there at one point or another. And, and with Wentz, you just don't know what you're going to get. So it's not a great place to be with the rotation right now. Even the the Braves are right now doing well, one bullpen start every time through their order right now until they figure something out. If a team like the Braves can do it, 
a team that has expectations, I don't see how the Tigers couldn't at least try that as a short-term patch while they work on some other solution. Because who knows how long it'll be taking for Turnbull to get ready. That's the problem. Yeah, it's it's and the White Sox. I think did a, a bullpen start today too. It, it's just tough because they but they just started. The, this is the first of or no, this is the fourth of nineteen consecutive games in a row. Yeah, that's true. In a row, nineteen consecutive games. We don't need the in the row in there. So it's it's tough to do a bullpen start because you just you don't want to tax your bullpen one day and then have to go to them again early the next game. It, it's it's a tough juggling act. I we've talked about it before, but it really feels like the Toledo is just a holding pen for potential relief arms. Even the starters they're using down there are not going deep into games. So we may see some of the bullpen arms in Toledo come up over the next two weeks just because. But should we sign Michael Pineda? This Jacob twenty four. I haven't where where's Michael Pineda? I, I haven't even yeah. followed what he's doing these days. Oh, that's a good well, that's a good that's a good question. Brian Garcia. Isn't he in Houston? Yeah, isn't he in Houston? I don't know where Brian Garcia ended up. I'm pretty sure he ended up in Houston. Let me let me double check that. I'm checking that right now. <laughs> Brian Garcia is yeah, he's in Houston right now at the Astros down in AAA. So let's see here. There you go. Yeah, he's. But I will, I will say this. You know what we mentioned about Jonathan Davis and about those minor league opt outs. Other teams have those guys too. So there may yeah. be somebody in AAA for another organization who's just waiting for a chance to start and the Tigers may pounce on that. So that wouldn't shock me. We saw him grab Seth Elledge the other day, another bullpen arm. They have a, a handful of random guys in the bullpen arms on the 40 man now that people are like, wait, what? Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're just kind of picking, picking guys up left and right. And so it wouldn't shock me at all if we see another starter. We could, you know, Engler, Alexander, Holton. You, you could crop, couple together a start or two there with, with those three guys. But I think for now, they're just going to try to go with the guys who have, have shown at least the ability to give you a quality start every now and then and just hope that they have, they're on that night. I do like Jacob's suggestion of Dallas Keuchel, but I don't know how much Keuchel has left in the can. But by the way, Brian Garcia in 26 innings of work is, has an ERA 8.20. He's allowed 38 hits. 27 or sorry 24 earned runs and he's back to that walking thing 21 walks and 26 innings pitched he needs to come home to chris for Krisha. yeah down in down in sugarland oh carlos martinez oh carlos martinez was not a bad idea either but I, he's also didn't he have that kind of you know old, I thought he was uh, injured yeah the, he had that surgery that ended. didn't archer had i believe the uh, thoracic outlet yeah, I think he had thoracic outlet surgery. It's a nice catch there, but I mean, you. you're you're not gonna find uh, a good starter just randomly waiting out there in late May. Bunch of they're a bunch of names, but they're they're free agents for a reason. Yeah, like you've said, Atlanta, Atlanta is shoving AJ Smith shover through their system right now. He's a triple A now. He's a he's a fifth rounder or even later. I don't remember when they took him. The same draft as Jackson Job. He's three months younger than Jackson Job, and he's a triple A. Because yeah. they don't they don't really have any uh, other options right now. Everybody's hurt. So yeah. yeah the cool part with him is he is looking so good. He's got a chance to get to the majors and then be the best player from his high school team, which included Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We had the fun thing today with Brady Singer. I was like, oh, it's a bummer that Carpenter's not playing because he and Kerry Carpenter were high school teammates. But yeah, funny when you have two big leaguers on one high school team. Yes. 
as far as Michael Fulkowitz or Fulkowitz, say his name. Fulkowitz. Fulkowitz. I know he was losing velocity last time. He was down like e six, so I don't think that'd be a idea. So Tyler, Tyler had a good question here on YouTube. Will the Manny Scooble Mize rotation be decent when they come back, or are we reaching the end of the viability? I know they're young, but it seems like they've been hurt more than played. I have an answer for that. I think you might see it in maybe couples, like a couple of a recarnation or a carnation of, or recarnation, a version of it that you may see for a month or two. But I don't. It's, I think it's going to be similar to what you've seen with some of those Mets teams, where you know, it's. I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I'm trying not to be negative, or, or, but the reason, in my opinion, is, is that Scooble is going to be coming back. You have Manny coming back. The key question is Mize. So I think Mize could have Scooble and Mize have that kind of perhaps that long term ability. But I don't know. I I just haven't seen enough of Manning that him to stick around and have this this what is, what is it called a three headed dragon or yeah three three headed dragon that should be the Tigers rotation. Is that a Camara? Camara, thank you. Yes, that is. Is, a is, that, is that what that is, Camara? I think it is. Oh, I think it is. Cerberus, the three-headed hell Yeah. Why do, am I? Am I getting like feedback? I keep hearing myself in kind of like a staticky echo. No. All right. All right. No, you're good. Sure. All right. Sorry. Hopefully, uh, Hydra. Thank, th- thank Hydra. you. Hydra. What is thank a Camara? What the hell's a Camara? I don't know. I'm not familiar with my Greek history. You know but, what? Um, you have the internet right here too, Camara. It is a but, it's a it's a fire it's a fire breathing female monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, well, and serpent's right. tail. Yeah, because oh, they, they, had, they had nothing else to do in, in, except for drugs. Lotus eaters. No, I, I think there are reasons to be optimistic about all three of the Tigers. Former, they were all top twenty-five prospects. We saw flashes from all of them. Mize legitimately had a pretty solid first season, at least by like baseball. Reference war, one of the better first seasons for a first overall pick ever. Honestly, he wasn't great by like the secret Fangraph stats. He didn't strike out a ton of guys, but there was something there. And then the thing you hold out is that I think you just talked about it before. Is like how long was he pitching broken? Basically, yes. Yeah, his 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 elbow ligament was like a an old rubber band that had no elasticity left. And who knows? Maybe he can come back. But you never count on guys coming back better, but maybe he can come back better from Tommy Doss surgery. And Scooble was really a pretty darn good pitcher before he got hurt. Even you remember even when he got hurt, it was like it didn't seem like that big of a deal. He was still pitching pretty well. So you can hope there. And then Manning was showing some progress last year before kind of the freak injury this year. The odds are that not all three of them are going to come back and be awesome. But I think you're going to get some some degrees of, of helpfulness from those three guys. I think if you get if two of them come back and are, and are positive forces in their rotation in the next two years, I think that's a pretty good outcome. But yeah, that's exactly where I was going with my I went one of the biggest worries I always had when they drafted him was the year before his big final year at Auburn, he was shut down with some forearm issues. So you knew something was brewing. Uh, it was it was going to be a miracle if they could get through eight or ten years with Larry with the call of Mary Mize. Oh my gosh, Casey Mize healthy. So I do think that there's a chance that when he gets back and he's full strength, unless he's one of those small minority of, uh, of Tommy John guys who it doesn't work for them, assuming it, it was done well and he comes back, I, I'm i excited to see Casey Mize again. I want to see what happens there. 
And, you know, I agree with you, Chris, on the other two as well. I just... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, nothing. I was just saying, all right. No, I just... To me, I'm just... I'm skeptical because I see enough case studies, or not case studies, but enough examples to go, okay, maybe one of these guys will work out, not all three. I mean, I, I can think of, I can go back throughout twice, three times with the Mets. So the White Sox, too, with Jack McDowell, Alex Hernandez. One, it, Something's bound to happen. Yep. So you don't ever see the Tigers, look, Jack Morris and Dan Petrie, that combo, farm system-wise, was a rarity. It really was. Like, you, did, you really didn't see them very often. It was the Twins, to a certain extent, Frank Viola, and what was it? Kevin Tappany. That was a, not the greatest combo, but they won a World Series with those guys. So, Uper, by the way, Kevin Tappany. Yeah. Oh, in Central Michigan grad, too, right? Yeah. Escanaba, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> you can even look to the, the Tigers' opponent tonight, the Royals. Once upon a time, they had what Baseball America, I think, was calling the best farm system ever or the best the most talent-laden farm system, and it was Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis in the pitchers. It was Mike Montgomery, Danny Duffy. John Lamb. John oh, Lamb. That's the name I've heard all the time. Chris Dwyer. And, and almost none of those guys, Duffy had some good years, but almost none of the pitchers actually helped. It was the pitchers farther down the system, like Giordano Ventura, who ended up being pretty good. And it was, the, wasn't, it was like Lorenzo Cain. And Salvador Perez and Kelvin Herrera and all these other guys who, who helped them win. Yeah, it's very rare for pitching prospects to come up and and be good for a long time together. It just it's it's you don't see it very often, and it's it's getting increasingly rare for like top one hundred pitching prospects to be very good at all. Honestly, like it seems like the, the top ones are guys who just dominate in the minors, hmm. but the guys who actually come up and, and are good in the majors are guys that just start out outside of the top 100 or at the back end of the top 100 and just zoom right into the majors without anybody noticing. Your Bryce Millers and Spencer Striders of the world. Yeah, there's, yeah, you want that. You, you would hopefully at some point, hope with the Royals too, there was, they used their trade, they used that farm capital of Brandon Finnegan traded in the Cincinnati for, I think it was, it was the. Cueto. Yeah, for the Cueto trade. And then we saw Finnegan two years later pitching for Louisville, just looking. Yeah. He'll forever be a, a, a fun trivia, answering a trivia question, but pitching the College World Series and the actual World Series in the same season, same year. But yeah, I don't think he'll ever. Yeah, he wasn't terribly good either. So yeah, it's it's just a crapshoot with pitching prospects. Yeah. So yeah, Scope is leading off right now and I'm watching I'm multitasking, which is why I'm looking down. I got the yeah, the, the Royals brought in a Rollis Chapman who was yeah. been basically his old self this year. He had one hiccup not, not that long ago, but he's still throwing hundred and two, hundred and three. <laughs> so I'm surprised that I, you know what? I didn't understand that signing. I really didn't because it was just I was thinking to myself. Are you going to use them for trade bait to get some? If you're going to use it for trade bait, okay. Then That's I absolutely what they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. They, they considered him. It's kind of like a Trevor Rosenthal sort of thing, right? They, they, it's a guy that they were getting for relatively cheap. And we've talked many times about how relievers will get you an outsized return if they're good. He's pitching well enough. If he continues on this path, he might net them a top 100 prospect. 
I'm just surprised that, back half of it, but still. Yeah, but I'm surprised no team went after him. Kansas City was the only one that gave him an offer. I know he had a checkered pass in New York a little bit, but he was still throwing heat. And so I, I didn't get it. I thought a team, maybe a team like necessarily Atlanta or, or Boston signed up Jansen, but I don't know. I I thought I thought Tampa might because they don't usually care what they do. Nobody yeah. watches the games anyway. Yeah, they don't, have, they don't have to get popular players. Yeah, it, it, it's. I don't know. I don't think a lot of contenders were going to... He, he was... He had some issues last year. It wasn't yeah. just... It was like he just abandoned the team. And if you want to bring that guy into your locker room. So it did, it did feel like it was going to have to be a, a, a Kansas City or a Washington or an Oakland or somebody who was going to give him a chance. And good for the Royals. I think they're going to end up getting some decent return out of it. Yeah, Oakland wasn't going to sign him because it's too, he's relatively inexpensive. Ah, but he's too expensive for us. And you certainly wish that Oakland would probably take a chance on their bullpen's horrendous. Scope is giving him a battle. Well, it was 101 and came in there by Chapman so far Ooh. at it's night, night pitch coming up. So, yeah, here you go. Get off the bench and face 100 consistently. But yeah, I don't know that the, the Nat series as a whole, just to get it back to that, was, was pretty, it was a bummer, right? Yeah, you have to beat teams like that, and it just did not go. I, I thought for a while that they were going to come back on Sunday. They were really, they, it looked like it was going to get on a hand early, but then they, they really, uh, they were fighting back. It's just they couldn't get that big hit. Well, and, and that's where that team wide lack of their 14th and home runs in the American League. And that's, that's the quintessential game where you needed one big swing to, to turn the whole thing around. And they don't have the one big swing guy. They have, we need, they need two walks, an error, and a single to get a run. Yeah, basically, that is that is the kind of the, the main thing. Mission mission with this team, they have guys. At times, there are times when Eric Hans is that guy. We've seen it in each of the last two years where he'll he'll go super hot for three four weeks. Yeah, Jerry Carpenter, we we're kind of hoping he could be that guy. Unfortunately, he's injured. But uh, yeah, other than that, Javi Baez certainly hasn't been the consistent power guy. Torkelson will show flashes, but he's not been the power throughout that everyone hoped. And, and same with Riley Green. So it's. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm just got to hope somebody gets a hold of one every now and then. Apparently, Scope grounded out the first one. I'll be behind. Um, but I think OBK makes a good point. T- pitching has been carrying this team to a certain extent because it, obviously when they can get, when they get good spots, when they get starters that do their thing, if the bullpen does what it's supposed to do, and uh, that. Really green. Really green's a good hitter. Yeah. Well, did Riley do something? In play, no out is all I know right now. But sorry. Yeah. By the way, Jonathan Scope and Tyler pointed this out. He was 0 for 8, or now he's 0 for 8 against Chapman. Coming into that bat, 0 for 7. I don't understand the matchup idea. Maybe he was due. I, mean, I don't know. Gave but, him a good battle. I, no, it, yeah. it, it seems seems like the only thing the Tigers care about this year is the platoon advantage in every possible situation. They, yeah. they pitch it for Maton early in the game with, with fourth uh, inning. Yeah. And then, but they didn't pitch it for Badu. And then he struck out. But uh, yeah, it seems like it, I don't remember it ever being such a big deal to teams, but it seems like every team is like this now. They're just. Here's it, what I didn't understand in that particular spot. It's the fourth inning. You got two outs and a man on first. I don't know if that was any kind of leverage to, to pinch hit there. When you the next time through the lineup, probably going to have a ready out of the bullpen. And, and sure enough, the Bonyas came up. I think were there two men on base the next time he came up, but it was against the righty and. He ground it out. Yep. I don't know. I thought that was a little bit of a questionable move by Hinch. 
I know it's it's so hard to get too worked up about managerial moves, but yeah, yeah, I I think it's just one of those things where they 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 do it ninety percent of the time, unless it's somebody like Riley Green who can hit lefties consistently, just because if whatever in the aggregate get the the very small advantage overall. But yeah, yeah, each individual decision always is a little bit curious. Like you said, this it's it's probably going to be only only one at bat. But I was saying earlier the Twins, they started Alex Kirilov at leadoff today against uh, the Giants. He got one at bat. The Giants threw an opener, and they brought in Sean Maniah, the lefty, and, and they, they pinch it for Kirilov in the third inning. What? All right. It's, it's everybody's doing it. Yeah. It's hard. It's weird to see that, too, because it's just the, I don't want to say playoff, like, strategy, but it is. it seems like a late-inning strategy going on early. Yep. But uh, for Chapman, by the way, Javier Baez is one for six lifetime against Chapman. He's up to bat right now. As that single by, it was funny. I saw the end of the of Riley Green. It looked like he was just, it was just looking like a shank of some sort. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb and say there, are, there probably aren't many players with a great career record against Roldis Chapman. I think there's gonna be a lot of ugly numbers there. He has been one of the best closers for about a dozen years, and, and the hardest throwing pitch group of all time. There's something there but uh, yeah and uh, maybe Torkelson can can catch one and yank it over the wall that would be nice to see he's Torkelson's been he hit the ball hard he walked twice he, uh, he's still not tearing the cover off the ball but he does seem to be in a better place now where he's at least productive which is better than he was and it's certainly helpful more than what Baez just did just now that was but again yeah Torque you want Torkinson has been hitting better as of late, has been seeing the better at ball as late. He had three he has three walks tonight. So he's doing in that regard, last year I think what I gave him a lot of grief because he took too many pitches, but he's been more aggressive than it counts. And that's all you can ask for. And he wasn't gonna swing at crap because he Singer wasn't pitching to him pretty well. Was not pitching to him. All right. You know what, Tyler? Tyler says in chat, I'll give money if Torque drives in a run. I'll give twenty dollars if he homers. All right. Super chat is on. So here we go. Here we go. No, but anyway, so a couple of other things too I wanted to get to before we get out of here because these are usually this is our shorter episode of the week. As the Tigers will come home to take on the White Sox, like I mentioned earlier. And the I'm actually looking forward to that series because the White Sox are kind of a, a, a series of flux. And this is a chance for the Tigers, depending on how this series goes, they can possibly get to five hundred. <clears throat> the quest for 500 and then they have the rangers in after that and so it's it's not gonna be any it's not it's gonna get back to a little bit of a bumpier ride a little bit if you will so i don't think that texas is always a team that for whatever reason plays well at america park so it'll be interesting to see that the other thing i want to ask you guys about is nick maton over the weekend he went yard but there's some people still want him to go down or what'd you guys think of his performance over the weekend I think that most guys who get enough at bats will run into a couple balls now and then. He is he is what he is. He's a, he's an extremely flawed player. It'd be better if he was a right hand. If he was batting right handed and could hit lefties, maybe that'd be great. But he's on the he's facing right handers and he's getting crushed by breaking stuff and not a lot of fun to watch. Chapman just went. Upstairs, and Jake pointed out. Jacob pointed out 103 miles an hour, and that was like you could just—I didn't, but barely could see the ball. But it was like, El Cubano, 
man, you know, that, I was... so it was about a half a foot above the zone, but yeah. it's that fast. You're, you're... Yeah, the, the thing is, Verling is having a good game tonight. He seems to do this every now and then. He'll, he has a monster game that doesn't do a whole lot for a while. But there's, there's not a huge difference between Nick Maton and Matt Verling and like Willie Castro and Jamer Candelario, really. With, with, with Willie Castro, he was a versatile guy who had some tools, who could do just about anything, but wouldn't walk. And Maton's the same guy, but he will walk, but won't hit. And it's okay, which, which, which is better? A guy who can't hit or a guy who doesn't walk? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they... I don't know. I don't know what to do with Nick Maton. Honestly, I, I don't think sending him to the minors is going to do him any good. He'll probably go to Toledo and destroy pitching down there. He might see more breaking balls down there and, and pick him up, but I don't think that's the sort of thing that you get better at by facing minor league breaking balls. You need, wow. you need to consistently get attacked by these big leaguers, and, and they're going to sink or swim up here. You see, yeah, it was nice to see him contribute, but he crushed that ball, that home run. But, but he does feel like a guy who's they're, they're going to have to pick and choose their spots to play him more, and that includes something he pinch hit for him today because I guess you can't hit lefties and you can't hit breaking balls, and you're, you're in a tough spot. Yeah, and this is where, again, the call him up about Justin Henry Malloy comes up and everything. And so, again, whether or not Tigers will do that anytime soon, I don't think so. I think it's, I, I don't know, again, until the, you mentioned this earlier, really, Chris, the super, is it Super 2 status? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Super 2 status is is a way to manipulate certain time beyond just keeping a guy down to get an extra year of control. It's, it's a way to get an extra year of control and get only three years of arbitration instead of four, which is easily. But if you've gone this far, you might as well go for it. But again, it, the thing with Malloy, and we've talked about this, is is basically over the last month, he hasn't been all that great. It's been okay. He's hitting 240 with a little bit of power and still walking. But yeah, I, I don't think Malloy has currently constructed. If he comes up, it's going to be an upgrade over Nick Maton. Honestly, he might hit the ball a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But you're losing some defensive versatility and probably not any more power or walks than, than Maton gives you. So it's, it's, I don't know, people, people see the highlights, they see him putting up good numbers. And we talked about in the other show, basically the only difference between what he did in, in April and what he did, was he doing in May is he had 450 BABIP in April and it's 320 in May. And so the WRC plus is down like 40 points. He may have he may have been hitting the ball a lot harder earlier, which can contribute to a high bandwidth. But I think it's it's I don't think he's the savior that people may think he is. I was gonna say Uper. I thought you're gonna have a you know, do something like oh yeah he is he is second coming. No no I don't <laughs> think so I, I he hits the ball on the ground a little bit too much for me. But again I only saw a few games. He did hit a bomb too, though. I think that he has a future. I think he could be a starting left fielder, or maybe a maybe a third baseman. Although I, a couple of his arm actions didn't didn't thrill me. Like that, um, I talk about that, like kind of like the way, he, like almost like sidearm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then he had a couple times he, he he hesitated to throw, like he had to think about it a little too much, and that's stuff you can overcome. Who knows? I, 
Do I think he has a big league future? Yeah, because they who do they have any better? They're going to give him a chance. He's going to have a shot. I just don't think there's any big rush to do it. And I don't think they would see a, a surge in the standings because Justin Henry Malloy is plugged into the seven hole in the lineup. No, I, I agree with that. I think that in Johnson Family Farm is damn dead on. This is a team that just needs a power bat. I've been saying that we've been I've been saying that for the last three off seasons. It's just one they've tried and failed to get some bats like that. You talk about was it Nomar at Nomar? Oh, Mazzara. Mazzaro. No. There was the first baseman from Baltimore, Ronaldo Nunez. They CJ tried. Cron. Yeah, CJ Cron, but they for whatever reason decided not to resign him. So, so yeah. I think because of his knee was shredded, but yeah, it's been doing fine in Colorado. Yeah, it, I don't know. They they need power from somewhere. It's it's tough. You gotta hope that it's torque or green, but yeah. or yeah. in before somebody asked, no, not Cole Keith. He's not ready yet. If he continues at this pace, flash. Dixon. Oh, Brandon Dixon. Don't <laughs> Jacob. Dixon's been, he's been playing with the, yeah. the Padres, hasn't he? The, yeah, he's playing I somewhere. Just, I, I just see some names on that Padres team. Jeez. The bottom, bottom of that order is rough. But then they have a kid named Ethan Salas, who's 17 years old, who has been is catching. He 17 yet? Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's going to be turning 17 soon. Yeah. He's turning 17, and he's catching big league pitchers, and he had a double off of off of a, off of a big league pitcher. He is George like, Kirby, maybe? Or, yeah, George or Kirby. Gilbert, yeah. He looks good. but it, Oh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Al Avila try to get Malloy for Shane Green, Todd asks? I, I don't know. Joe, heard I don't think so. I think Malloy was still in college when they traded Shane Green. I, I may be wrong yeah. there. Malloy was a 2021 kid, wasn't he? She 20. Yeah, it's not. It's only 2021. But uh, so we did get some questions, Chris, I believe, correct? Yeah, we got a handful. We, we got uh, Steve Butts. It was a nice lengthy one. He said that now that this is becoming Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson's team, even when the Tigers underperform like they did this weekend, it's still more enjoyable to watch them. I think that's that's generally true. Yep. Uh, he said, which which remaining pieces need to solidify for them to remain more competitive, especially with runners in scoring position? And he said, a healthy return from Kerry Carpenter, a prolonged Eric Haas hot streak, Colt Keith's inevitable promotion. Definitely yes to the first two. This yeah. that's the shame of Carpenter's injury. This was his opportunity. They they certainly would have had him in the lineup against every right-handed pitcher. They need the power that he can provide. This would have been his chance to solidify himself as a member of the lineup. But that's how things go. He got hurt on defense. Hopefully he gets back. That would be huge. But yeah, it's it's I, I agree with Steve that's becoming Torkelson and Green's team. And that's what needed to happen. We talked about that. I said about this ad nauseum throughout right. the winter. The biggest part of this year is those two guys, what they do, what steps they take. And we're seeing some good things now. I would love to see Torkelson clear a few more fences. He's becoming a little bit more a low-average John Olerud to me a little bit there. I'm wondering if he's just... Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Talk about John Olerud Toronto days or... or, or he's the guy who hit the ball in the gap all the time. He had a lot of home runs. True. Yeah. If, he hit, if he becomes John Olerud, I'm happy. That guy was... I was going to say, I'm like, he almost hit 400, he almost hit 400 for the entire yeah, season. Yeah. So. And Tor- I, th- that right. was not a direct comp. But the, the gap power. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's that small subsection of, of first statement who 
could hit a little bit, uh, but didn't have a ton of power. Your, your uh, Mark Grace's, the James Loney's, Eric Hotmer, these guys who, who occasionally will run into power, but really more hitters and, and except yeah. as you said, a low average version of that, which is not ideal. I hope that average will, will climb yeah. slowly. But that's what the team needs to be. It needs to be those two guys taking control of this lineup and being the pillars, right? That's what has to happen. If this, if this whole organization is going anywhere in the next couple of years, those two guys have to be a part of the solution. Colt Keith, could he hit his way to Detroit this year? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what we're going to see what Harris's modus operandi is. We'll see. I wouldn't mind seeing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I wouldn't mind even seeing Parker Meadows become part of that equation. Parker Meadows or Akil Badu step around out the outfield a little bit because Badu does things a little differently than everybody else, but Parker Meadows does have a combination of power, and that was a sick pitch by Barlow. Ooh. Damn. Yeah, but, that's uh, one of those guys, at least. And, and that's the, the flip side of the, the Carpenter going down, which is unfortunate, but Akil Badu has played pretty well. About as well as we can hope for. The power hasn't quite been there, but he's walking a ton. He had a bases loaded walk earlier today, put the ball in play a lot, doing a little bit of base running. So he's taken that opportunity and run with it. But yeah, you feel like Carpenter would have continued to hit for some power. He seems like he just built like that. So would have helped it to have him for sure. I think, yeah, I mean, that's that's where you need. You need that to take the next step where you get to the point where Carpenter is, is showing, and it felt like that for a little bit, where he was showing enough power that you know what, you have to play against lefties too, just because. Yeah. And, and then unfortunately he got hurt. So I think that's the big step. And then Steve's, second part of Steve's question, he said, well, I think we already talked about this, but he said, with the continued absence of Matt Manning, Bo Brisky, and Tarek Skubal, along with faltering Joey Wentz, should the Tigers consider stretching out Tyler Alexander and using him as an opener? Sure. Yeah. I mean, try, try a little bit of everything. Yeah. It, it's a, I want to say tried, in, or it's a tried formula. Is it true sometimes? Sometimes. It depends on what, Depends on how you can get his if you can get his cutter located inside. If you can get his cutter located on the inside, then the Tigers are in business. But if he can't, makes for everything just out, just hanging out there, and that's when he gets yeah. hammered. Yeah, but uh, so we have, we have two questions from Deadly Ninja Beast. He said, "Are Alex Lang and Jason Foley going to be involved in trade discussion? What kind of return would they bring?" Look, I think they're not going to trade those guys unless they are completely out of it i think they're gonna wait if 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 even even if they trade them but look if they trade those guys and not get a big return on it it'd it just be disappointing because then you look at okay they're gonna use a myriad of bullpen arms that they've just signed that will not probably end up working out i just don't see them trading them unless it's un un really necessary and or teams like hey listen we're gonna give you a top 10 prospect I'd be blown away. That's me. I mean, I think that's. I think their asking price for what those two are going to be high. So, is our team's mm-hmm. going to be paying for it? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation. I don't think the Tigers are going to go around looking to trade you those. They, they are legitimately two of the better levers in the American League, and and they're really complementary levers too. The way they now it's laying at the one with the the filthy stuff who can go and get you three strikeouts in an inning. Hey, Jason Foley is, you want to beat Jason Foley, you have to string together three hits, basically. He's not giving up extra base hits for the most part, not giving up home runs. Really valuable 
to have a guy like that. They're rare when they work out, but he was like Zach Breton when his prime as a lefty, maybe not quite as good as Zach Breton, but it's, it's a super valuable back in the arm. Now, would they trade one of them? Maybe, but it really does depend. Like you said, Roger, it depends on if, if somebody comes to them with a deal and says, here, here's a, a potential everyday regular for your reliever. I think you have to think about it because we've talked about it a bunch. Good relievers on a bad team are, are, are superfluous. It's nice to think that you have a bullpen set up for the next couple of years, but you never know with relievers. They're so up and down. You don't know. So you, I, you take the value if you can. Like you said, Roger, if somebody wants to give you, I think somebody was pointing out like, yeah, Curtis Meads from the Rays. Mm-hmm. Sure, take that. Yeah. I think you, you brought that up in the, the show the other day. It's, I think you'd pick something like that. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think those guys are going to get traded this year. And Todd asked, I mean, one thing Scott Harris has gotten right so far, Zach Densry, the, uh, the Justin Henry Malloy trade. Lorenzen's working out. Yeah, I mean, he had a, a rough outing today. It wasn't like, this was a number five starter outing today, right? He had yes. a couple, two bad innings, otherwise gave you almost six innings. That's, that's what you get from a number five starter. I, I don't. Like, it, it's hard to point to any one move that's just an absolute monster win. But McKinstry, yeah, it's hard to complain about McKinstry. You traded a double-A reliever for a guy who's been your most consistent hitter at the big league level this year. That's, I think that's a win. There hasn't been, I don't think there's been any, like, overt failures either. Verling and Maton haven't been world beaters, but uh, Gregory Soto wasn't going to really do much for you this year. It's nice to have more bullpen depth, but, again, relievers only have a pretty short shelf life, so... I don't know. It's still early. Banyas was okay for a little bit. He was helping them. He's come back to earth. But that is actually, there's a, there are, our next question after this one out of deals like that. But I, I wanted to, we, we got to finish there with the Lang and Foley thing. But Denley Nijavis also asked, this is a draft question. He said, if Cruz, Dylan Cruz and, and White Langford are gone, would the Tigers take all schemes over the high school bats? The pitching depth looks as woeful as the lineup right now. This is, very tough, and I think it's a very, very realistic option. I don't know where you guys are with that. Yeah, I think it could happen. There's it seems like people who really follow the draft they're they're getting all kinds of wires crossed on who's going where. So I don't think it's a done deal that Cruz and Skeen go one two. I tell you what, you watch Paul Skeen's pitch. That guy looks good. That's some real deal stuff. He does, and he has a pretty good health background too. I mean, he doesn't have that arm problem in his past that I'm aware of. Do you guys know that? I don't. I, I thought maybe he had something in, in high school, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, okay. I have to look into that. I don't, I don't maybe not. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where if, if Al Avila were still running things, I think you could just mark that one right down. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, oh, yeah. He's, he's there, they're taking Paul's game. Yeah, because he went to LSU. Simple, just be, not because well, of his ability, just because he went to LSU. LSU. He went to, yeah. It, Avila was very good friends with the old LSU coach. He's not there anymore, pulmonary, but he could probably get some really good inside info on what's going on in LSU. But also, they just love taking those big, hard-throwing SEC guys. It's it's an old trope, but it's something that they've always done. Yeah. I don't have a feel for for what is going to do just yet. I it, it really sounds like people are in love with Walker Jenkins too as a hitter. They think yes. he's on par with with Langford and Cruz. I might might if if you were asking me right now, I I would think if. Cruz and Langford went one two. I think the Tigers probably go Jenkins at three. But it is hard. As you said, the, the pitching depth in the system isn't great. And the pitching in this draft is not great. The, the gap between schemes and, and the rest of the arms is, is pretty 
vast. Chase Dollander came into the year with a lot of hype and he had a average year. But one thing we've seen over the last 10 years is that teams are able to find really good arms all throughout the draft. They Something they like, something they can tweak, and, and you can get a frontline starter in the fifth round or sixth round or something like that. I don't know. I think you got to trust your development and, and go with go with the hitter and develop the pitcher. I 100% agree with that, Chris. I think that if you look at the way they've developed pitching over the last five years, generally, I mean, four or five years tops, there has been a change in how they've been able to develop. Even with the struggles right now with what's going on in the area with Wilmer Flores and everything, there's still at least something they can build off of. Wilson comes to mind. His stuff's gotten better. There's other examples. You know, Tyler Montero, though he got beat up his last start. He's a guy who can, they've been developing a little bit. So I think the Tigers should go all offense the first couple picks because maybe certainly saying you can't get a, can you get a veteran pitcher? Sure. But you can also then draft maybe go get two pitchers in the ninth, tenth round and say, okay, you know what? There's nothing to work there. Well, we can maybe one can be quick pass to the majors. But I'm looking at his stuff now. It's great. Again, that's some good tailing action on his fastball. But this is a draft of a lifetime here we're talking. I'm not trying to make that I'm not trying to exaggerate that but it just seems that there's a lot of offensive talent in this draft and you can't really pass that up for a guy that if, if the arm went down you never mm-hmm. hear the end it would be another situation <laughs> where for example like Marcel Meyer is destroying high A pitching right now and Jackson Jones sitting somewhere resting up and if that happened him here with 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 this gentleman right here it's just it would lose development. I, I just think that they should just go with the offensive player. Do you hope in your in your fondest hopes that Langford drops to them, or would you be good with the high school guy? I hope Langford dra- drops to him personally. Like, yeah, I, I'd prefer Langford, but I everything I've heard about Jenkins is really impressive too. So I, I'd be fine with either one. I, I I do think I would prefer Langford. I don't know. It's 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 so tough with pitchers because it's are are, are we. Are we drafting scared? Are we scared because we think this guy, or is that just proper risk assessment? Are we scared that people are going to complain if, if we draft this pitcher and he gets hurt? Or is it just not smart to take a picture that high? Like, I, I, I think it's probably not smart to take a picture that high, even if he looks like a once in a decade arm, just because things break. Personally, I think it's good risk, risk assessment, honestly. Yeah. Just because, again, look what Chris Fetter's done. With what they've had, and look at the pitching as an organization as a whole, it's gotten way better. And if it was under, if it was a situation where perhaps under old regime, then maybe. But then look, Casey Mize, he's. It's just like I said. I just for once the Tigers have an opportunity with all the offense. This is an offensive offensive heavy draft, and I think with Mark Connor in charge and everything, they just. I think they're going to play up to the strength a little bit. And just go with what they know. And we haven't even spoken about Max Clark. And the last few things I've heard about Max Clark are very positive, you know. So I, I, I think he's having a pretty good spring. So he, his name, I don't know how many times the Tigers have been in there to watch him, but maybe his name will come into the mix too. And I also been hearing a lot about Kyle Field out of Virginia. Catcher. Yeah, and he's he's whether he stays that catcher or not, he, I don't think he has the bat to play at a lot of places, but he's a top-notch catcher too. 
I don't know if they would dip that far unless they really wanted to sign him for less money and do some other things creatively afterwards. Yeah, Teal to me is the, uh, the smartest guy in the room. The, the one where, yeah, we know better. It, I don't know. It's tough. It's a bad draft for catching. So if you really feel like you need a the catcher of the future, you think he's it, maybe you can make that move. But if, if you do that, you're leaving one pretty impressive bat or possibly pitcher available. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see how to play out. It, that oh, yeah. never goes the way we think it is. We didn't think Kumar Rocker was going third last year. Yeah, speaking of which, by the way, he is he's on the IL. He's going to have surgery, I believe. Tommy John's. surgery, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's since, I remember back in the day, Jim Callis said that the only thing he could dig up was that he's heard before the draft was that Rocker had both shoulder and elbow injuries. And sure enough, he's had a shoulder surgery, and now he's had an elbow surgery. It's it's been been rough for those Vanderbilt arms. Yeah. Jack Leiter hasn't exactly been tearing it up in pro ball either. No, he's not. It's like a 450 ERA. It's a rice curse. It's the curse of rice. No, it's Vandy. The transfer- oh, I know, but I just, like, I, think of, yeah, yeah. I think of, like, University of Rice, when anytime you pitch a pitcher, they had all these great, amazing stats in college. And was it was a year you told me, Chris, was the year they drafted, like, Rice had four or five pitchers? I, I want to say three of the top five are people taken. It was Phil Humber, Jeff Neiman. Neiman, Somebody yeah. else. Somebody else. I don't know well, if the Tigers took Kenny Ball out of there. Yeah, Kenny Ball, yeah. Kenny Ball. And Matt Anderson. Yeah. Rice. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the last question we had was from Brian Morrissey. And, and this is kind of... <laughs> Oh, yeah. rest, in peace, rest in peace to their, uh, who is it, the Smiths' bassist? Yeah, bassist just passed away, yeah. He said, if you could undo one move Scott Harris has made, what move would that be? Whether that be resigning one of the non-tenders or undoing a trade, why did you choose to resign Willie Castro? He says, I think this is, he's saying, yes, they should have kept Willie Castro. But uh, yeah, you guys have any one move that you would undo? What would you, what, what's in the running, right? Is signing Matt Boyd in the running? Maybe? Yeah, that was the one I would pick. Not signing Candelario's in the running, and maybe the Veerling Macon trade. Yeah, there's never been any giant moves, really. I think I would love to know what the second best offer they were floating around for Soto was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be fascinating to hear because this kind of this is a wonderful question, by the way, because it gives us a little. We have a little, we have a couple months of hindsight, but to we'll see how things have worked out. But Candy looked good the other day. Again, if they were, if he was plugged into Detroit's lineup, are they a win better right now? Maybe. Uh, but I think for me, it's 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 Boyd. I would not have gone down that road again. I would have found something else to take a chance on. Yeah, I, there's. I really can't argue that either. As much as I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be, I'm not going to be conscious or different to be different, if you will. But well. Honestly, if I had to really think about outside of the Boyd move, maybe not. I wouldn't. No, I. I was. I was trying to think of something else, like maybe something obscure. Maybe, you know what? Maybe not some so many damn catchers. There we go. I'm gonna be. They signed Parsky. They signed. They signed. Yeah, they signed all these Man. catchers, and they didn't do enough to at least sign another outfielder. A veteran outfielder would have been nice outside of Jonathan Davis. I thought power bat. That's that's really about it. a guy that can just see what he can do. Yeah, for, for for me, that's that's a good one. For me, it was it was Boyd, and not necessarily. It, it just it was so quick, and ended up being the market deal, basically compared to what everybody else got. Uh, but there were other arms out there that I thought were interesting that would give you potentially a little bit more upside. Like 
even Lorenzen has slightly more upside than than Matthew Boyd, I think. Agreed. Um, and and yeah, you could have. And it's hard to complain about it right now when the, the starting pitching is, is so thin. Okay, I'm glad they had they got a starter. But like you said, Roger, they could have spent that ten million dollars in an outfielder or another reliever or a different starter. Like Michael Walker got the weirdest deal. It was but four years and twenty four million. You can. Did he really want that a four year six million dollar deal instead of one year and ten million? I don't know. Would would Rich Hill have been better than Matthew Boyd? I, I don't know. It's kind of a, a push. <laughs> I just think there were some other options there. I don't know. But but again, I don't think it's like it hasn't backfired in some hilariously bad way just yet. It's just yeah, I I, I fail to see the vision there really. And the only reason I I I don't pick the the Soto trade is I I question how big the market was for him. With, if there was a second, let's say there was this mystery second team out there that was poking around with him, would they have gotten something substantially better than than Veerling and Maton? And I'm probably low man on Veerling and Maton. I, I don't see anything more than bench players there as if this team ever competes. But I don't know if there was an, a first division starting ball player out there ready easily grabbed for Gregory Soto. Yeah. I just, again, I, the lack of power, I think that's the reason why that stands out to me is because there's nights like this, for example, a 5-5 game, you're you're relying on your bullpen, again, to bail you out, and the offense hasn't done anything since, what, third inning since they scored? It's been yep. stagnant. And they, in terms of runs with scoring, runners in scoring position, Tigers have been very inconsistent all year with that, so. Yeah. Some power bats would be nice. Adam Duvall was out there, wasn't he, forever, and, and some other guys. But I don't know. Yeah, the the, the Maton Beerling thing, it, it made sense to me. It still does. Just, again, I, I, I don't care about relievers that much. I really tra- trade them when you got them if you don't need them. And you got a couple guys with some, they, they have some tools. You don't know if it's all going to come, come together. Probably won't. But you got two players for basically... 10 years of control if you want yeah. you got a lot of player control and if one of them breaks right it's a great deal there's a calculated risk there but also not really that much of a risk because soto i don't think was part of their long-term plan what are they two three years left plenty of he's young and, and good but it just like you said we, we, we've got we've got lang we've got foley out there now pitching just as well if not better than than, than soto did yeah it's it's tough. We'll see. He's gonna. We've got some big deals coming up in the next year, right? He's gonna have to make some big trades. The Eduardo Rodriguez situation will be really interesting to see what happens there. Interesting to see what they do in free agency with Miguel Cabrera and Jonathan Scope off the books. Are they gonna sign anybody to a big deal? Are they gonna sign <laughs> a bunch of small deals? Are they gonna? What are they gonna do? Are they gonna run a raised level payroll? How good do you think Eduardo Rodriguez is gonna be over the next six weeks? Because the only reason I ask that is, look at his numbers right now. And then look at his career numbers. Man, he's pitching well. Can he continue that towards the deadline? And still, how big a regression is he due for? It's almost like the, the, the cliff is coming. <laughs> I hope it's not. Look, yeah, I mean, he's never been. He had the one rough year in Boston. And we chalked it up to some of the worst batted ball luck of all time. Literally. I think. I don't think teams are are suddenly think he's an ace or anything like that. And I don't think, I think they know who he is. He was on the free agent market a couple of years ago. He got a deal pretty quickly that wasn't super big. So 
I don't think teams are going to be tri- tripping over themselves to get him, but he may still be, be the best arm available or one of the best two or three arms available. And uh, mm-hmm. so unless, unless he just completely falls on his face over the next six weeks, I think there's still going to be a fair amount of trade value there. But again, it's closeted with, with, yeah, you're getting 10, 12 starts out of them, maybe tops and that's it. Scope. What happened? It's the 10th inning. Eric Hines starts on second. Zach Short walks. He hopes uh, strikes out on four pitches. Didn't get the runners over. Wouldn't get him in. All right. On that note, we're going to get out of here because it's extra innings. And this game has actually gone old school style. This is what, 740 start, right? So it's almost three hours. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's an old fashioned, old fashioned game between these two. But we'll be back on Thursday to talk White Sox and Tigers. I may not be here because. And Tyler, easy answer to that question. Tyler wants to know, is Scope the biggest disappointment in this team? Yes. It depends on if you thought you would get anything at all out of him because he didn't do anything a, last year. And... Crap, yeah, man, that was a lounge in there. It is what it is. But <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back Thursday. And go to TigersMLReport.com. There's two articles. One by Jerry did a really good job with a royal... Eduardo Rodriguez talk and oh the oh the favorite stadiums real quick that was there was Tyler asked that question in the chat I've been to I've been to more minor league stadiums at this point than major league stadiums so I would say one of my favorites is Jackson Field in Lansing that's my one I love that of the in ground feel to it I love that stadium. Major league wise, I went to Cleveland. Yeah, wasn't really anything that I remember for the old Comiskey Park, Comiskey Park Two, or Guaranteed Rate Field. Has some character to it, but it's showing its age. What just happened? Oh, yeah. single, but didn't score a run. I don't think. Oh, I thought he hit a home run. That's just the foul. So I would say Jackson Field's my favorite. And I would probably go in terms of major league stadium. I went to Chase Field or Chase Field in Arizona. That actually surprised me. That was actually a better experience than I thought. So I like it there. Yeah, I actually I, I would go with that one I, it, out of all the ones because again, going to Pittsburgh at some point to go see PNC Park, which probably will be end up being my new favorite. But I'm gonna have to say Chase. Yeah, I, I've only been to four big league stadiums. I think in my life, Tiger Stadium, Comerica, Wheatfield, Target. I think I don't think I've been to another big league stadium. Of, of those, Wiggies and its own magic. Target Field's pretty cool. It, it's yeah. fairly unique. I, it, it is one of those stadiums. It's like Jackson Field where it's built into a city block. So they cram everything in there. I'll have to check that out. That's the it's smallest not, footprint of any major league stadium, equity-wise. Yeah. And I, I, I just have always, and this is far from original, but but PNC Park just looked beautiful. It's got the, the, the best skyline in, in big league baseball. There's some other parks. I know the BYU field is amazing, and I think Charlotte has a cool look into downtown. But the PNC Park is just awesome looking, and I've never been there, so I don't know if the stadium itself, when you're there, feels cool. But but that's a place I definitely want to visit. For me, Kauffman Stadium is the best baseball road trip. It's a good stadium, but the town itself is just built for a fun weekend of baseball. So I always recommend that one. In terms of just really a pleasing place to sit and watch a ball game. I saw that I was at the stadium in Seattle, whatever they're calling it now. <laughs> but 
do we know? I don't even know. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But it was beautiful. It was. I was there on a rainy day where they put the canopy up, and it was it was gorgeous place to sit. And then, as Raj mentioned, I I really do think Chase Field is underrated. I I like sitting, watching a ball game there. I've been there. I have relatives in Arizona. I've been to many games there, and it's a good time. I want a boy hobby. There we go. Nice, nice. Just look down. Damn boy hobby. Nice. Did you get a third? Three run double. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Boom. Yeah. What? What? What was the? I, I T-Mobile Park is on my list. Yeah, T-Mobile. That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. I think my, my new job, by the way, I get a chance to go out to Seattle, I believe. Oh. So I will. There's. There, I'm gonna make a point to where I'm traveling. My next job to go to stadiums I haven't been to. Have you been to Seattle before? No, I've. I've oh, fun I've been. I've been to Portland, and I've been to Los Angeles. I was going to a game. At, I was going to go to a game at Dodger Stadium, but the situation was so. This was Dodgers Cardinals in 2014, I think it was, or ALS or the NLCS or something like that. We're playoffs. But there was a long story short. Let me explain what happened. So I get off the, the subway, and there was a Cardinals fan waiting to. I think he was waiting for something. He was waiting at the train station there. Right where there's like a port to LAX, and these Dodger fans were taunting him the whole time, and, and they were just getting on him. And I'm just and I've heard if you sit in a certain section, Dodger Stadium, without the certain colors, it's it can be interesting. And what is that? Ah, there it is. See, Doo-doo-doo. hold on, where's my breaking news sounder? Wait a minute, what is that? Hold on, sorry, the, the Tigers are promoting Grand Weatherspoon to Triple A. It's not a, not a, oh. not a huge deal. But it was something we yes. like earlier, like an hour ago, we mentioned it. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, 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 hold on. I got, wait, wait, I got it. Wait a minute. There we go. Let's see here. Oh, come on. Dead air, hold on. Was Hobby safe? Was he safe? They've challenged it. I, they're saying he was safe. Oh, no. Upheld. Not a third. One, this is neither here nor there, Raj, but I don't know if you saw the, all the NFL teams were doing their schedule rollouts. They, they get super creative with their schedules. Did you see the Seattle one? No. Oh, I think you'd dig that. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to check it out after we get off air. I'm trying to find a breaking news sound. I'm just thinking what I saw originally. So there's a. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> <three. laughs> no, it's. This one sucks. Okay, you know what? That sucks. It's all the nightline. Oh, the nightline. Ooh, that's a good one too. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. I like that. But why? My bucket list. I want to. I've heard good things about watching a ball game in San Diego. So that's a really good stadium. Mm-hmm. San Diego's a nice town. The Gaslamp area. Yeah. I'm gonna go out watching it. San Diego. Diego. Watching the baseball. I can get. Uh, it's just, it's just, yeah, Grant Witherspoon's Toledo. Yeah, friend of friend of friend of the Tigers Minor League Report podcast, Grant Witherspoon. Kid, I'm happy for him. He had a really good week. Was in Triple A last year. Disappointed. He admitted to us about starting the year in Double A this year. Not that he doesn't like being there, but he, it's very natural to to feel like. You've taken a demotion when you're a triple A and they put you back in double A. So hopefully he can go up to Plato and, and hit a little bit. And who knows? Maybe he'll make his big league debut later this year. But good for him. And we assume 
there will be some corresponding move from West Michigan to Erie. So that's but, why you know, the, that's why the trade makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Twice. Whoa. But uh, anyway. Yeah, Coffin Stadium is also my bucket list. Coffin Stadium. Another oh. one I really want to go to is Cameron Yard, Camden Yards. I want to really go back. I really want to go there. I was had a chance to go and, and of course see a game at Fenway or Wrigley would be cool too. But on that note, yes, we're going to get out of here. It is now. I'm going to hopefully we'll catch the last bit of the Tigers winning the first game of the series. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. And yes, Tyler, I did see Tennessee's thing. Yeah, that